Hey there, Cramaholics. Welcome back. It is your host, Kinsey, and I'm here with another Missing Mondays episode. Missing Mondays was a segment that was created because at any given time, 90,000 people are missing in the U.S. While some of them are found alive or deceased, the majority of them are still missing today. And it is my goal here at Cramaholics to keep missing persons' name and information in the media to aid in their return home the best that I can. On this week's episode of Missing Mondays, I will be telling you the disappearance of four-year-old Marlena Childress. She was a beautiful, brown-haired, blue-eyed little girl that disappeared from her her front yard in Union City, Tennessee. hundred and twenty miles north of Memphis, Tennessee, and one hundred and sixty five miles west of Nashville lies a small, quaint little town called Union City. What was once a town that was centered around the railroad industry became a communities of families that raised their kids there in their small town without worry. One blended family in particular raised their family in their small brick home near the city center. That was the Bailey family. 22-year-old Pam Bailey became a mother of her firstborn child, Marlena Childress, at the age of 18. When Marlena was four years old, her mother, Pam, was currently married to Marlena's stepfather, Johnny Bailey. Johnny brought one child from his previous marriage, seven-year-old Jerry, and Pam and Johnny had one child together, baby Damon. At the time of April 1987, the baby they shared together was just four months old. On April 16, 1987, Pam's stepson Jerry was visiting at their home for visitation with his dad until his biological mother was set to pick him up at 3 p.m. that day. Earlier in the day, Pam had taken Jerry and Marlena to the nearby store to let the kids pick out some candy. While they were at this store, located not far from their home, seven-year-old Jerry and the store owner had noticed that there was an unfamiliar man talking to four-year-old Marlena. At the time, the two of them did not really think much of it as Marlena quickly returned to Pam inside the store. Just a short time after interacting with Marlena, the man leaves the store and gets into a red sedan with McCracken County, Kentucky plates and drives away from the store. After the kids and Pam purchased their candy items, the three of them head back to their home and Jerry and Marlena play outside in the yard. It is currently unknown who all was home during this time. Around 3 p.m., Jerry's mother comes to pick him up as planned and Marlena continues to play outside by herself. It was not unusual for children her age to play outside by themselves in this quiet little town. 3.30 p.m. comes and Pam hears what she believes to be squealing tires in front of her home. Pam goes out to the front porch to check on Marlena thinking what if she had been hit by that car? When Pam goes outside to the front porch, all she sees is a red sedan with McCracken County, Kentucky license plates. Union City, Tennessee is just below the border of Kentucky, so McCracken County is only one hour and three minutes from Union City. Pam steps off the porch to look around the yard and in the street for Marlena, but she's nowhere in sight. She looks around for about an hour before she calls the police to report her daughter missing. When the police arrive, they jump into action to look for Marlena. The police alert the locals, letting them know that a four-year-old, brown-haired, blue-eyed little girl has likely been abducted from her front yard. This was highly unusual for their small town, and it sent shockwaves through the locals. Search parties made of law enforcement and volunteers comb through the woods and the surrounding areas near Marlena's home, but all of these searches would turn up empty-handed. 
Law enforcement, per the standard, turns to those closest to Marlena for questions and answers. The authorities quickly questioned Marlena's biological father and her disappearance within hours of her possible abduction, but he's quickly ruled out for any type of involvement. Authorities did a tremendous job tracking down the man that drove the red sedan that was first seen speaking to Marlena and then seen supposedly peeling away from Marlena's home. But according to the authorities, this man was quickly ruled out as having no involvement in her disappearance. If this is true, why was he seen speaking to Marlena and then just happened to be peeling away from her home? Was this story made up by Pam or was the car truly in front of her home? Days of searching on foot for little Marlena would turn into weeks and by week seven, her mother Pam would drop a bombshell that would shock everyone including authorities. Just prior to week seven in the bombshell, Pam admitted herself into the local hospital claiming she was mentally exhausted and needed help. We can all assume as a mother with a missing child, this isn't something that would be out of the ordinary. Pam spends some time in the hospital, just about two-ish weeks, and then she is released to return home. When she returns home, she is questioned again by police where she breaks down and tells them that she is in fact responsible for Marlena's disappearance and death. She tells police that in a fit of rage over Marlena's behavior, she hit her so hard that she fell over and hit her head on the table. Pam says that after she realized that Marlena was no longer alive, she called a family friend by the name of P.L. Summers who helped her dispose of Marlena's body in the Obion River not far from their home. The police do not hesitate and they dispatch a search team to the Obion River to look for her body. As the search is underway for Marlena, Pam's confession is quickly unraveling. She tells police that she took Marlena's lifeless body to the river, placed her in the water with the help of P.L. Summers, and they left. The search in the Obion River lasted for about five days and nothing was found, not a single trace of Marlena's body. However, that did not stop authorities from charging Pam with second-degree murder of her four-year-old daughter. During Pam's hearing, the judge set her bond at $100,000 and Pam was sent to a mental institution until her trial. But before Pam could even be transferred over to the mental institution, she recanted her entire confession, stating that the investigator, Seth Canvas, coerced her entire false confession. The investigator fought heavily against this accusation and even played a five-minute clip of her confession to the media. In this clip, you can hear Pam talking, and by the way that she is talking, it's kind of hard to believe that she was coerced into this confession just by the tone of her voice, but that is my own personal opinion. Pam claimed that she had just been released from the hospital where she was placed on several different medications for anxiety and depression, causing her to not be coherent enough to not be coerced into giving that false confession. Because there was a major lack of evidence, the charges against Pam were completely dropped and she was released. Prior to Pam dropping this bombshell and shocking everyone, there was a situation that had taken place 120 miles south in Memphis. Just six days after Marlena went missing, two women and two children came into a hair salon called Gales there in Memphis. One of the women appeared to be in their 60s, and the other woman appeared to be in her possible mid-20s. The children that they had with them were around the ages of 8 and 4 years old. The women that came into the hair salon told the receptionist that they needed a haircut for the little girl. 
An older beautician tells the little brown-haired, blue-eyed girl to take a seat in her chair. As the woman began to cut the little girl's hair, she began to cry, saying that she wanted to go home to her mommy. What stuck out to the beautician was that neither of the women were trying to console the little girl. Neither of the women even seemed to possibly be a parent to the little girl. If she was crying, why not try to console her? The older woman with them turns to the little girl, and according to the beautician, she says, Marlena, now if you stop crying, we will take you to the movie theater when we are finished. The beautician next to them also noticed that the situation seemed completely off. After the woman finished the haircut and the four of them left the salon, the beautician walked two doors down to the convenience store to buy herself a can of Coke. As she was buying the can of Coke, she looks down at a newspaper that has a little brown hair, blue eyed girl by the name of Marlena on the front cover and it is stating that she is currently missing. The beautician panics and tells the convenience store clerk that she just cut this little girl's hair and she needs to use the phone to call the authorities. The beautician phones the authorities to let them know that she is positive that she just cut the hair of the missing girl. The authorities come out to question the beautician and she gives them all of the information about the women that she was with and the little boy. Marlena's grandparents were very active in the search for her, and when Marlena's grandpa hears about the news, he travels 120 miles south to Memphis to conduct his own investigation. He meets with the two beauticians in town, and the two women tell him that the woman they saw inside the salon with the little girl works as a waitress in a restaurant not far from the salon. Her grandpa meets the women at the restaurant, and they point out which woman it was. Her grandpa does nothing that day, but the three of them leave the restaurant and the next day they meet up again. Her grandpa brings six photos of six different little boys. He does not tell the two beauticians who these boys are, but he lays them out on a table in front of them and he says, do you recognize any of these little boys? The two women instantly pick out the little boy that came into the salon with the two women and the little girl. The little boy that they picked out just so happens to belong to the waitress at the restaurant. Her grandpa is sure that he is on a solid lead and about to find his granddaughter and turns all of the information over to the authorities. They waste no time in questioning the waitress, but after giving her a polygraph test, they determined that she was not involved in the disappearance of Marlena. The police say that she passed a polygraph test when she was questioned if she had brought Marlena into the hair salon that day. She stated no, and the polygraph test showed that that was the truth. However, what we have to take into consideration here is we know that polygraph tests are not very accurate. So is it a possibility that the polygraph test was a false positive? Because the woman did pass the polygraph test, the police let this story go and they move on. It would be about two years before another sighting of Marlena came about, and the sighting was at a store in Lenora City, Tennessee, just about 15 minutes outside the city of Knoxville. A young mother was at the store with her two sons when her two boys took a mad dash around the corner to get away from her. When she was headed in the direction of her boys, a small child came running around the corner, and she turned around thinking that it was one of her boys, and she kneeled down to the ground and grabbed the child. She was so embarrassed when she realized that the child was not one of her sons, and she had grabbed a child that was not hers. It was a six-year-old, brown-haired, blue-eyed little girl. The mother stated that she had just a short, brief conversation with the little girl, telling her that she was extremely cute and that she was sorry for grabbing her. 
Just as she was letting go of the little girl, another woman comes around the corner and yells, get over here now. The little girl very reluctantly walked over to the other woman and slowly looks back at the mother. She said she had a bit of a strange feeling in her stomach given the way the little girl was so reluctant to go with the other woman. Just days later, after the mother and her sons leave the store, they were having lunch at their home and she was opening up the mail. What she sees in the mail is a missing persons flyer. The first thing she looked at is the photo of the little girl on the missing flyer and she gasps loudly and her son says, what is it, mommy? And she turns the flyer to her son and she asks her son, does she look familiar to you? Her son tells her right away, that looks like the little girl that we were playing with at the store. She quickly phones the authorities to turn over the information, but like many other leads, this one turned into just another dead end and the investigation into her disappearance goes cold. Although her case does go cold, the police never stopped searching and told the media that there was a $30,000 reward for any information leading to Marlena. Pam eventually leaves the state of Tennessee and moved to Kentucky to get herself a fresh start. But years later, another tragedy would strike in the life of one of Pam's children. There was no information shared with the media as to whether or not her husband Johnny and their son Damon moved to Kentucky with her. But while in Kentucky, Pam gave birth to another son by the name of Casey. The 15th anniversary of Marlena's disappearance was approaching on April 16, 2002. At this time, Pam's son Casey was 12 years old. Around the time of the 15th anniversary of her disappearance, it was said by Pam's family that her behavior had changed quickly. On April 22, 2002, Pam and her son Casey were home alone when Pam told Casey that she had a surprise for him and takes a cloth and wraps it around his head to blindfold him. Pam leads Casey out to their car. She put him in the back seat and she drives them away from their home. A short time after being in the car, the car stops and Pam gets out and grabs Casey out of the back seat and starts to lead him into an unknown location. At this time, it is in the middle of the night and Casey is confused as to why his mother is bringing him into an unknown location in the middle of the night, but it's his mother, so why would he second guess it? Pam finally stops walking and tells Casey to take a seat on the grassy area. What Casey was unaware of because he was blindfolded was that Pam had taken Casey to a local cemetery and walked him out to a tombstone that had the word son on it. Pam began stabbing Casey repeatedly, telling Casey that she loved him. He was able to somehow get free and run away from Pam and seek help at a nearby home. As Casey arrives at the home, banging on the door, begging and pleading for help, a couple comes out to see a young 12-year-old boy completely covered in blood, and they quickly call the authorities. When detectives arrived, Casey begins to tell them that his mother blindfolded him and began stabbing him. There is no hesitation in arresting Pam for attempted murder of her son. She tells authorities that she had blacked out and had no recollection of stabbing her son. But the authorities are not buying it and they charge her with attempted murder. But she ultimately pleaded no contest to second degree assault and she was sentenced to 10 years in prison. What's really messed up about this entire situation is that Pam has since been released from prison. It seems as though she was given a slap on the wrist after basically trying to kill her own son. 
Because of this incident, it prompted the authorities in Marlena's disappearance to reopen her case. Unfortunately, despite the case being reopened, there has still been no movement in finding Marlena, and Pam is still walking free in society. Marlena's grandparents still currently have a $30,000 reward pending for anybody who has any information as to what happened to Marlena or if they can locate her. The detectives over Marlena's case are still working to find any tips or leads to bring her family some answers. Marlena Childress went missing at the age of four years old from Union City, Tennessee on April 16, 1987. She is a Caucasian female with brown hair and blue eyes, and at the time of her disappearance, she stood at four feet tall, weighing approximately 38 pounds. Marlena would now be in her mid-30s. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of four-year-old Marlena Childress, you are highly encouraged to call the Union City Police Department at 731-885-1515. What is extremely heartbreaking about this situation is that Pam once confessed to killing Marlena and then she stabs her own son. It is awful that they have not been able to find any type of evidence in Marlena's case to either charge Pam with her murder or to even get any type of answers that would bring them closer. If you know anybody who is connected to this case, you are highly encouraged to give the Union City Police a phone call. Crimeholics, if you haven't already, I highly encourage you to join a Crimeholics podcast discussion group on Facebook, or you can follow us on Instagram at crimeholics.podcast, where I will have an age-progressed photo of Marlena Childress. Or you are more than welcome to follow me personally at this is Kenzie, K-E-N-Z-I underscore. Crimeholics, as always, be aware and take care.